Welcome to the show where three friends rate, debate, and investigate the films you'll love to see and hate to see. This is You'll Love to See It. And welcome back to another episode of You Love to See It. I am joined here today by my friends Eric Zhu. I can't do it again. I've ruined my grand entrance. <laughs> and my other friend, Kale Brunman. How you, you doing? You said today? other friend with such disdain. <laughs> no, <laughs> such a welcome back to the podcast. No. <laughs> it wouldn't be a podcast if it wasn't an odd opening. All right. Well, we are back uh, for our first podcast over Zoom. Um, a first Zoom. for us, a first for our audience, Zoom. who mostly consists of our parents, but a first nonetheless. Um, this will probably be our second to last episode of 2020, the magnificent year it has been. Uh, and today we're going to be <laughs> doing uh, David Fincher's Seven and David Fincher's Mank. How does that sound, guys? Mank. <laughs> That's what I have to say. <laughs> but first, before we review either of them, uh, we have an intro question, which isn't really uh, yeah, as much of a question or anything as much of, you know, I want to hear, and I think the audience would love to hear, a, a brief opinion, a review, a, a, an idea of uh, a movie you have recently seen. Um, I'm going to start with Eric, put him on the hot seat. And yeah, before we get into our reviews, Eric, what's a movie you've seen recently that, you know, just sparked your interest or, uh, you know, um, feel like you need to talk about? I, I wouldn't, I don't know if it's not really a movie per se, but I don't want to get into that. But something that I have gotten obsessed with this break has been David Lynch's Twin Peaks The Return. Ah, his of course. 2017 18 part revival of his acclaimed. Uh, 1990s television show. It, um, God, it just absolutely destroyed me. It's the greatest artistic achievement I've seen in my life. Are you serious? That's the, that's the criteria. Yeah, You're, that's, I mean, that's, that's going to be a review. I don't want to. I don't want to get into. I, I, I mean, I do want to get into it, but I don't want to. Yeah, spoil too bad we anything. don't have a TV show Massive, podcast. It's bonkers. It's as surreal but emotional as anything Lynch has ever made. And it, God, the way it plays with its characters, oh, ah, incredible. For all I mean, of our many, many loyal listeners who thought <laughs> that after this break, we would come back and not this is immediately uh, talk, and not Im immediately contrive some uh, hyperbolic, unwarranted <laughs> David Lynch praise. I'm so sorry to disappoint you all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know Eric was high on it, but I didn't know he was that high on it, to be honest. Wow. I mean, that, that, that's big praise. That's all I got to say, Eric. That's all I got to say. But I, I mean, you've given me the recommendation. We'll see it's like again. And uh, I will, I, I'm, I'm going to take that recommendation and roll with it. Uh, all right, Caleb, what about you? What's something you've seen recently? 
Well, you see, I haven't watched many movies recently. I think the one recent release besides Mank that I, I've seen uh, in the not too far past was The Prom. The Prom? Directed okay. by oh my God. Ryan, Ryan Murphy. <laughs> starring Meryl Streep and Nicole Kidman. And to be as polite as possible, the staggeringly dreadful James Corden. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) And that's all I really have to say say about that. Staggeringly dreadful James Corden. Sounds like 2020. Well, I've watched actually a few movies. I've neglected to watch the movies we were supposed to watch for the podcast until last minute. Um, I, well, seven I watched like weeks ago, uh, as the rest of you, I'm sure. Um, but my last three movies consist, I'm not going to go through like a detailed my opinion on them, but I watched Yes, God, Yes the other night. Um, I watched Freaky and I watched The Notebook for the first time ever. Um, and all I'll say is The Notebook is a good movie. Uh, it's a fantastic film. And Freaky was okay. Wasn't hey, we, we love some Cassavetes on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah Ryan Gosling, you know, d- did it again. Uh, is Jenna, notebook. Is Jenna Rollins in the Notebook? Uh, I mean, why would she not? You know. Yeah, she is. She's third build legend. Is go. she? Yeah. Oh. Oh, yes. Zach, I I have a question right. for you. You have a question. All right. What is the question? Of those three movies, which one do you feel most closely parallels your own life? <laughs> which one? Um, well, <laughs> it definitely isn't Yes, God, Yes. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, I, did go to, I did go to Catholic school for a bit. Um, I don't know. Pro- dude, I don't know. Probably The Notebook, you know? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can even really say that. I don't yeah. think any of these movies really fit. Uh, but Notebook? You know, I've heard a lot about it. It's the stereotypical date movie, I guess. Uh, never watched it till recently. Good movie. That's all I got to say. All right. Well, let's do it, fellas. Let's talk about Fincher for an hour. And let's start with Seven. Eric, would you like to give us a brief synopsis of David Fincher's Seven? Yeah, David Fincher's Seven is his second film not his seventh um but (laughs) it is very good it's his second film he made after the um the unfortunate disaster of alien 3 and it (laughs) stars uh morgan freeman and brad pitt as um two detectives in i think upstate new york as they're trying to figure out the identity of a serial killer who kills by means or like thematically by way of the seven deadly sins um it's this combination of gripping procedural mixed with dark dark noirish tones and all of the strange scary cynicism that you'd expect out of a david fincher movie and it ultimately builds up to one of the most iconic endings of the past 30 years which Spoiler alert. There was there was something in the box. There was. So yeah, what? I'm excited to talk about it. 
You know, Eric was Eric was shocked that I had not had this movie spoiled for me when I told him that the ending shocked me. Um, Because I haven't. You know, I've had other movies spoiled for me, like you know the the Sixth Sense. You know, I'm not going to repeat the spoiler. Okay, (laughs) all I know is that. well, Bruce Willis, well, that's oh, as far careful, as I will go. Careful. That's as far as I will go. Careful. But when it comes to Seven, I did not expect that ending at all. You know, I would you say it's one of the most iconic endings in the last, I mean. I, yeah, for sure. What's in the Box is like one of the most famous movie endings ever. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. That's funny. You know, I guess I, I just wasn't aware of this movie as much as I maybe should have been. I really enjoyed this film. Um, I just... I don't know, never really thought about it until we decided to do it for the podcast. And obviously I had never seen it before, uh, but it was good. I mean, and the ending was in fact surprising, but I wouldn't say it was like the most, you know, shocking. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, it, I wasn't like on the edge of my seat. I was just like, oh, mm-hmm. damn. Yeah. And then I moved on. I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, it was a good ending. I don't know what to say other than that. It, I mean, like, yeah. It was no like, a, uh, yeah. It's not the good, type of maybe it, maybe it wasn't the complete like. Maybe it's not supposed to be the biggest like mind blown ending ever. But it was definitely surprising. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I guess before we get into the ending, I guess let's start at the beginning. Um, you know, the movie. I felt like I don't know if this is Fincher's style. I don't know how how much he how like. <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for? How like thrown into the film an audience member feels at the beginning of every Fincher film. But I'm going to talk about this when it comes to Mank. And even Seven, maybe to a lesser extent, I just felt like you're started off and you're pretty much just like thrown in the middle. Like you're just like, I, it almost feels like, I saw some of you were talking about Mank and say that they felt like they missed the first hour of the movie when they like when they started it. And I feel like Seven is similar in some circumstance in terms of just like, you feel like you're walking into this just mess. You know, there's so much, you know, there's so much you don't know going into it. There's so much you don't know about, you know, the main character. Uh, what, what's his name? De- uh, Detective Somerset. And, you know, there's so much you, you feel like there's more, but you don't know. I don't know. Do you, do you, do you agree with that? That feeling? Sure. But uh, I, I think that works to the film's favor. Um... I think one of the theses here is that crime is a disease. And if you're going to play that up, then you're going to need to begin the film uh, at a moment that demonstrates that thesis. And so you're going to be thrown immediately into chaos. You know, the opening scene is Somerset, you know, walking into a, a ghastly murder uh, and so it should kind of jar you because that's uh, something that that I think is is the point all the way through. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. Um, <laughs> I was expecting Eric to say something, uh, and then he didn't, so it's okay. It's I was you know it's the being on Zoom is a little bit different because I'm like expecting it's different than being in person. You know, we get the vibe of. Slightly no. less lag. Usually. Yeah. Well, you know, like, waters. we've been sharing one mic before, so it's like I could I could see that Eric's face was like moving, you know, before. And now I can't tell if he's gonna, you know, make anything or not. Um, yeah. So I mean, I guess this movie. 
starts off kind of crazy. And, you know, I feel like in some ways there's some very stereotypical, uh, you know, characters, you know, the, the, the hardened uh, detective Somerset who has been through the works played by Morgan Freeman. And then the, the, the hot shot, uh, I'm pretty sure he's even referred to that or at some point. I mean, they, they, throughout the movie, they're like, oh, this, this kid's a, you know, he's a hot shot. He's the new kid on the block. Um, the detective Mills. Um, and, and they have a very stereotypical like relationship for the most part. I'm not trying to undermine uh, <laughs> the, the writing here, um, but, it, but it feels, I don't know. I mean, it feels very what you would expect out of almost a, procedural drama crime show i don't know if that's fair or not but i i think it really gets into it as you come across the murder scenes and it starts getting more twisted and things like that i feel like that's where it really opens up obviously um i don't know what do you guys think about the characters specifically the two the, the dynamic between mills and somerset's um, you know, I know this has been, a, it's been a little while. Um, Eric, do you, what do you, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, there's sort of this, yeah, I would, I would agree with, I think I would agree with what you said and that they're this classic, like mentor, mentee, like old wise. I mean, he's, he, in a way he's like a stereotypical, like old wise black man. And yeah, he's the like hothead. Um, but I, yeah, not but I think I would I think I would agree. I think the film very clearly uses these types of like old sort of noir like noir uh genre conventions um like that as well as just like aesthetically and we see that both here and in Mank. Um I think the one that really stands out to me is the uh the chase sequence. Um, the chase sequence where we first sort of meet um, uh, meet John Doe, where uh, even at the end when we're like supposedly face to face with John Doe, he is just completely in like a shadow. Um, it, I mean, thematically with this episode, reminiscent, I thought of um, Orson Welles' introduction in The Third Man. Um, but yeah, this is a movie that I think very much so plays with those genre conventions both like structurally narratively as well as like aesthetically yeah i will say i mean i'm sure we'll talk about this with mank uh you know fincher does a great job making sure bringing to life this atmosphere this this whole world um i i really felt it was very clear in seven and and obviously i would say even more so in mank just the feeling you get watching the movie you know you feel like and then in seven in particular what you said feeling like this old-timey noir uh detective uh you know setting i guess um i do feel like there's a lot of time we're going to spend talking about john doe uh and the the villain i what the antagonist i don't know what the proper uh reference is but uh you know i'll probably try to talk about it without bringing up kevin spacey too much um you know it's kind of a you know kevin spacey you know is uh not the uh <laughs> finest man as we all know uh but uh he he did play this role incredibly well i guess the guy has a great uh, does a great job at performing creepy characters, perhaps because he is a creepy guy. Um, 
I guess that's all we have to say about He's got that. that theatricality um, to him. Yeah, I mean, he really does. He really does. And I mean, it was very eerie, very eerie. Um, but you forgot to mention the other third star in this movie, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, <laughs> who I did not expect to see in this movie. A young Gwyneth Paltrow. First of all, didn't realize how old this movie was. Does not feel that old. Does not feel like it was made in 95, 95. Um, at least to me, it feels like it was at least like, it, it kind of has a vibe of me of like, a, like an early 2000s movie. But uh, Brad Pitt looks like he's like 21 years old in it. Yeah, no, Morgan this Freeman still looks like he's like 60. The guy just stays that age all the time. <laughs> like Gwyneth Paltrow also looked like she was 20. I, it was just, it was throwing me off for a bit after watching, you know, newer Brad Pitt movies. I was like, oh my God, he looks, I, looks like I, he's my age right now or something like that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, where, do we, where, do we, where do we go from here? Um, <laughs> I mean, I want to know, like, like for me personally, like this is my second David, second time watching Seven. First okay. time I watched it was freshman year of college. It was 14. I do need to get to that movie. Um, set, this is, uh, I watched it freshman year, freshman spring. Watched it in my dorm on my laptop. And I thought it was mainly fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I've seen, I think, almost all of Fincher's movies at this point. And coming back to it, I was expecting to be blown away a little just because this has the... Like, this is considered, I think, by a lot of people to be his masterpiece. And I can sort of see why. I found it very eerie. And I think coming, just like watching all of his other movies, it's very formally precise. Um, I really like... No, you're you're good. Um, It's very, like, I love the montage of Morgan Freeman at the library. I I think it's just amazing. (laughs) Um, Just, and then... I guess, I guess for me, I don't know. I, I guess for me, listening from what we've said, talked about so far, I was like, you talked a bit about Fincher throwing us into these movies, like in the middle of a story, like in Medias Res. Um, and I guess Fincher to me is such like a cold director. I was like, like, what's the relationship between this sort of inherent like distance he has in his movies and how just like alienating all of them feel? with his like like what's the relationship between that and his i don't know his use of these traditionally like thrilling genres that's the main thing i i've been thinking about and also i i mean just personally i i feel like this movie falls off after after um like the halfway point it falls off pretty hard for me yeah i guess there's there's a couple things there one um i do agree with the kind of I mean, you're so you're saying that a lot of Fincher's movies have that feeling of being kind of cold. Yeah, right? he's known for despite being, this, being thriller like, movies, technical formalist, like perfectionist. That's like his stereotype. He'll spend like he'll make you do the same shot like hundreds and hundreds of times, just because like some piece of lighting isn't perfect. And all of his movies sort of have to do with this like decay of the modern world. Like Caleb talked about it a bit earlier with like crime literally as a disease like all these people modern society is decaying and like i recently rewatched gone girl um and like that movie is very much so about like media oppressiveness how no one is like authentic to each other and all of his movies or at least a good portion of them 
have this feeling of alienation. They're very distant. They're very, yeah, they're pretty depressing. Right. And I think most of all, I guess they're very, they strike me as very cold. And I guess that's the, that's the thing I would like, is he a cold director? How does that translate to the way he feels? But how does that translate to like the way he feels and how he depicts his characters in films like, like Seven, which use, I think, pretty standard forms of um, like, I don't know, like connection with the characters. And yeah, just like, what are his like ba- main themes? And I think also looking ahead in the podcast, how does, how do those themes translate to Mank? Yeah, I, I mean... I very quickly didn't realize how much, how many Fincher movies I had amassed over, over the last year or two. Um, I, I've seen at this point a good amount. And I, I, I mean, I agree completely about that idea. I mean, I feel like almost all of them are in some ways, what, pessimistic? You know, they show some type of fault in the world or some type of unspoken but widely known about truth. Um, I mean, whether it be Fight Club, Gone Girl, you know, seven, uh, and me, even Mank. Yeah. I mean, they're all about in some ways commentary on some portion of society. I mean, yeah. And I, you know, actually I had a question and that is, did you find seven to be his most eerie movie? Um, more so than Zodiac specifically is what I was thinking. I find Zodiac more eerie. I think this one, I think this one is really scary in specific instances. I think the one that still shocked me, even though I knew exactly what was happening and that it was coming, was is the one where the person is. I'm forgetting which which um, sin it is, but it's the one where the person's still alive, sloth. and they like, yeah, sloth. That's the one that yeah, gets me. But that that one is crazy. Yeah. I- with you in the sense that um, and I want to get Caleb's opinion here. Um, I don't know if Caleb, you've seen Zodiac, correct or no? I have. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, like, of course, Seven was like shocking. There was like some, you know, the murders are all the scenes are, I mean, they're gruesome in some ways. And they're, uh, but I, I don't feel as though it's as, I don't feel it's as wholly eerie as Zodiac is. And I'm not trying to say I think Zodiac is a better movie. Um, I, I, I will mean, say Zodiac I, is a better movie. I, 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 would, I, might, I might, in fact, though, be saying that Zodiac is a better movie. Um, but I also don't want to take away from the fact that Seven is eerie, but in maybe a, a different way. And not, it, I'm not the constant... I, I don't know. I think Seven is just I, more I, oppressively cynical. Like, just... Yes, I, I'll, I'll agree with way. that. I'll agree with that. I mean... What What is your opinion on that, Caleb? I mean, did you find... I know it's probably been a while since you've seen Zodiac, but... Uh, it is. Uh, I don't think anything in Seven gets to uh, that scene where Jake Gyllenhaal is in the basement. Oh, oh no, my God, yeah. Like no, that, no, yeah. No, so I think at, at peak, Zodiac, it just has that, that fright factor working to the maximum. Um. But yeah, no, I, I I think oppressively cynical is a is a good uh is a good label uh for for seven. Uh, I think yeah, I think Zodiac is a little more open. Um, well, and it was his it, you know seven was his second movie, um, so Zodiac did come later. Sure, and I think it's um, part part of the script. A big a big tr- uh, credit to the script. Uh, he he follows it pretty 
pretty strictly, it seems, and in that there really isn't that much room for uh, for not room for error, room for uh, inter. There's less room for interpretation in in seven, and I think that Fincher plays that up, and that's why the the scarier moments in seven are uh, are very specific and you don't want to say more conventional, but, but they are. And, you know, Eric's talking about that, the sloth, uh, the guy's still alive. It's more, more of a traditional jump scare than just the, the terror that comes from a, a not super terrifying necessarily situation in yes. Zodiac where someone's just, you know, walking around in a basement. Did you guys see that they just like decoded another Zodiac killer, like clue or whatever? Is that true? Year? It's been like, really? yeah, it's been like decades and someone finally figured it out. It was like more of the same. It was like, I am like enjoying this or something. Like I'm still out here or something like that. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. You know, I, I, I want to get into, I feel like we've been bashing this maybe a little bit and not, not necessarily bashing. Um, I do want to say some good things. We should talk about some good things about seven, but what I will say is contrary to maybe the popular opinion i know seven is very highly praised it might be in the bottom tier of my fincher films personally um i enjoyed it i just think um i i don't know i don't i mean i I didn't enjoy it as much as zodiac i didn't enjoy it as much as mank um i didn't enjoy it as much as the social network i didn't enjoy it as much as gone girl I didn't enjoy it as much as Fight Club. That being said, I didn't. <laughs> I did enjoy it more than Alien Three. Um, <laughs> um, the skin of its teeth. That, yeah, um, and uh, the rest I have yet to see, which includes uh, Benjamin Button, the girl with the dragon tattoo, the game, and Panic Room. Um, those, those are four I'm missing out on. Um, but where? Yeah, where does Seven place for you guys in those Fincher films? Are you I mean, high I think on it? My- major issue with seven is that it has great moments like i talked about how much i love that library sequence and like i guess just like the enjoyment of like the process of work even through like even in this like dark dark environment i thought that was beautiful i mean fincher's a fincher's just like a formalist like no other like he is such a great technician so there's like a lot of formal elements to to be really appreciative of here i think I think, though, once most of the big shocks come in the first half, um, I think, like, it's literally, like, after the after the chase sequence, it I think the down. film really turns into... It slows down, but it's more... It's also more so that... I, I, like, I think Fincher is someone who's... In later in his later films, especially something like Fight Club, like, more, like, thought... He, his, his cynicism is more thought through... And the second half of Seven, while still being like very impressive to me, strikes me a lot as Kevin Spacey saying really edgy things and trying to be sort of scary as he is also like, yeah, just like broadly explaining the themes of the movie until for like 30, 40 minutes until the ending happens. That's yeah, sort that, of how it played out. I'm to not, me I time. was not a fan. I would be interested to watch this a second time just to see now that I know the ending, how kevin spacey's character is communicating a lot of things i i did i i did agree that that i wasn't a fan of the uh, i mean can you call it an exposition of kevin spacey's character in the cop car just kind of going through his entire 
my, I, there was definitely something that was a little too just like, it, it, it was almost like I was being given too much. And I also, I don't know if it ha- holds the same. I don't know if I can find as much meaning behind the idea of, I don't know if I can find as much meaning behind seven as I can with films like fight club and even Zodiac and Zodiac is like more of a, it's not really a biopic. <laughs> it's, I don't know how, what, 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 what genre does Zodiac fit in? Um, just like true crime. Yeah. It's just um, a, yeah. I, I did feel as though like I maybe walked away, not taking as much away from seven. I don't know. Is that a, is that a shared feeling? Is that a, yeah, I think, I mean, personally, I think I've enjoyed Fincher's later work more. I feel like his a lot of his 90s movies played to this very, like, pulpy, like, theatrical mode that doesn't necessarily work for me all the time. But, yeah, I would agree. I, I mean, yeah, I still, yeah, I still enjoy Seven a lot, but I wouldn't say it's one of my favorites of his. Yeah, yeah we, okay. Oh, go ahead, Caleb. Yeah, I think it, it, this is more of like a moment-to-moment thrill ride uh, compared to his other works. You see, at the very end, um, Somerset, you know, like the final, the final line is like, you know, essentially crime is gonna is gonna stick around. So I guess so am I. And <laughs> yeah, like that, that's not the the most you know impactful thing to to leave on which uh, which is why i think you know this isn't going to be something that stays with you or i should i should say the messaging isn't something that's necessarily going to stick with you but i i think there are a number of uh very well executed scenes i think that i think that that john doe and all that exposition that is what it is but i think it's it's well written and acted enough that that will stick with me in a positive way and that I, I'll remember individual moments uh, in a good light. I, I agree with that. I think, yeah, let's, before we wrap up on seven, I think we should give it some praise. Um, you know, not that we haven't, we've given it some, but is there anything in particular that you want to say, you know, like, you know, you just mentioned, for instance, um, the, the, the feeling of being in, of some of the moments in particular. And I agree the strongest part of the film, in my opinion, are some of these big, some of the big moments, you know, I mean, the chase scene is exhilarating, you know, you have the ending, which is, you know, call it what it is, but it's, it's a thrilling scene. And, maybe the in-between parts are a little bit uh, less enjoyable or less memorable, but overall, yeah, the moments stick with you. And, you know, I, I really enjoy each of the murder scenes and, you know, a little bit of how they, I know, <laughs> sounds like Damn, okay. I'm not trying to say, I think Whoa. they're, they're, <laughs> I'm not giving <laughs> praise to John Doe. But I will say they are executed very well in the sense the that... Victims, the victims <laughs> are executed very executed well. Huh? <laughs> hey, one of them lived, all right? Uh, but it, 
yeah, in the moment, it, it was like a holy shit, you know, wow. Uh, more than I, you know, you don't really, I feel like, get those moments as much in 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 other films like even Zodiac. I, like, minus, I would say, the, you know, best scene in Zodiac. But, yeah, it's it, it puts you in that atmosphere and it, it really does reign strong in that aspect. Um, Eric, any, any positives before we go into our final review of Seven? Yeah, I feel like, I, when I mentioned before, oppressively cynical, I feel like that's, that's a plus for the movie. It manages to be very atmospheric. I, I've talked, I feel like I've gushed a bit about Fincher as just like a great technician, and that's definitely on full display here. Um, I mean, it's, I mean, it's a lot. I mean, this is a classic movie. It's a classic. Like people love it. And I, I mean, it's very, I, I mean, it's very good. All right. Caleb, any last words? <laughs> Before you enjoy my burger. <laughs> uh, I really liked how the screenplay is structured. Uh, to provide just one example, I like how uh, they drop in that scene where uh, Somerset is talking to uh, is talking to Mills's wife, Tracy, uh, and how you know they just drop in there that that she's pregnant, which obviously is going to come back to be a big thing later. So it's like it sets up nicely there. And then, but it also contributes to the overall, I think, kind of crushing despair that the city brings uh, to all its inhabitants, it seems. And it's also a nice kind of break from, from the action. And you get, you know, both characters feeling deepened. And I think there, there are several examples like this, just scenes contributing to the story in, in several ways to, to make it feel uh very well structured something to appreciate that is true and you know what that uh if we didn't have to give uh our final reviews real quick that would have been a perfect segue uh into mank uh since it's about a screenwriter but nonetheless uh we do have to give our final reviews uh so i will start um i will just say that i really enjoyed this film uh overall i i'm i'm a big fan of 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 thrillers especially true crime or not true crime uh i hope this isn't true uh but you know crime films as a whole and uh i really enjoyed it do you obviously. hope it's not true zach <laughs> i do I hope hear you really enjoyed these murders. no 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 um you know i thought it was nice to see another brad pitt movie where i thought he did a phenomenal job um you know morgan freeman you know, always seems to do well in every movie. I've, you know, got nothing bad to say about him. You know, it wasn't like I wasn't completely, um, you know, taken aback by any of the performances. You know, you know, Kevin Spacey's honestly might have been the best just because of the character. Um, but I, I feel weird commenting or uh, complimenting Kevin Spacey at this point. But uh, I'll, I'll focus more on the writing uh, for that. Uh, but yeah, like, like we mentioned, the, the big moments, the moments that are really, you know, draw you in, they do just that and they leave a lasting impression in your mind. And so for seven, uh, three and a half stars. Eric. I'll go next. Um, yeah, I think I've sort of 
detailed my basic thoughts on seven pretty much in the past whatever 20 minutes 30 minutes um i don't think i've ever been the biggest fan of fincher i feel like i more appreciate him rather than love him and this sort of just fits into that um i was genuinely terrified for parts of this movie but ultimately ultimately i'm more um yeah as i said before appreciative rather than loving it so three and a half stars i think the scariest part of this movie was their commitment to making the city or the city's name anonymous and the number of times that they said uh, i i'm so sick of living in this place or here (laughs) without naming a city really dug into the depths of my soul and made me wonder with sheer terror why was it Otherwise, not upstate New York? Uh, it, you know, it may have been. I don't think they. It's ever explicitly yeah, I don't know mentioned. If they ever stayed. I could have sworn st- it was in the Gwyneth Paltrow Morgan Freeman scene. They said something about that. I think they just said, I, like, could, I could I be mean, wrong. It's definitely implied to be New York, right? At some point, like, I didn't. I didn't even get that. To be honest, like I, I didn't. I didn't get really get New York vibes. Hmm. I'm not sure. I don't know. But it's been a, it's been a few weeks. I, I won't lie. <laughs> I think it's been. It, it was implicitly mentioned. Uh, not even. No, that's not the. That's not the right phrase. It was. The name of the city was. Oh, it's unspecified. Yeah. Yeah. It, okay. it, it was hmm. terrifyingly unspecified. Otherwise. Gotham. <laughs> otherwise, uh, I, I thought like I, like I mentioned before very uh, enthralling moment to moment uh three and a half stars all right wow consensus across the board i don't i don't know when that happened the last time what right. happened for mank i'll tell you that much all right well yeah let's get into mank mank all right mank uh i'm 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 hyped to talk about mank i actually <laughs> you know i just finished watching it um, less than like an hour ago. Um, why did I wait to the last second? I don't know. Am I glad I waited to the last second? Absolutely. Oh God, I'm ready to talk about this movie. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I told this to Eric, um, and this will come up in our next episode, but, uh, my feelings about films really do change after I put in the initial, uh, rating. So for any viewer or even YouTube, don't be surprised if you can go back to a previous podcast and you hear me say a movie is four and a half, five stars. And then you look at my letterbox sometime in the future and it says four, three and a half stars. I, I'm really bad about uh, overhyping myself for movies. Initially. Sounds like a ratio fix to me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not a ratio <laughs> fix. I don't care about the ratio, all right? The only <laughs> ratio I care about is the number of movies I've seen to the number of movies I haven't seen. That's the only ratio I care about. Uh, that's a pretty right. small I guess ratio. We'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I don't think this one will be changing too much. Um, so I'm 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 excited to talk about it, and uh, I'm sure you can guess that it's uh, not very low. But let's get into it. Mank, Mank, uh, Mank 
uh, which I it took me a little bit longer than I think uh, I it should have to realize where the name of the movie came from until it was said about eight times in the movie, and I was like, "Oh my god!" You know, you have that you have that moment where maybe they say the film's title in the movie. Well, they said it about thirty times, and it took me like till the tenth time to really realize, like, make the connection in my head. So it's been a slow day, but uh, Mank. Uh, you know, takes place in the 1930s, uh, throughout the 1930s uh, in Hollywood. And it, you follow around uh, the screenwriter, Herman J. Mankiewicz. Is that, am I pronouncing it right? Yes. Mankiewicz. A.K.A. Mank. A.K.A. Mank. The name of the movie. Mank. Wow. Look at that. Um, he is the titular Mank. <laughs> uh so he's this uh i guess what's he is it is it fair to say he was a fa- even before his well i guess his last <laughs> screenwriting uh project he was a famous screenwriter uh he was a fairly prolific screenwriter um and then obviously his probably his biggest and according to him the best thing he ever wrote uh, is the centerpiece of the according movie. to many people, according yeah, to all, honestly, like everyone, <laughs> yeah, yeah, according to agree. everyone. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, following uh, Mank as he wrote the screenplay for Citizen Kane. Uh, Citizen Kane, my apologies. Um, now both of you have seen Citizen Kane, correct? I have, I have Indeed. not, and I was just talking to Eric while you were, I think, in the restroom, Caleb. I said that, uh I know I have a lot of 2020 movies to get to, but there's a big part of me now that yearns to watch Citizen Kane within the next few days so I can fully uh, understand uh, Mank, the movie, and the person. Don't so, sleep until you I, uh, watch Citizen Kane and then Mank again. Honestly, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to lie. Mank will get a second reviewing from me after I watch Citizen Kane. Will it be immediate? No, yes. I, I don't have that much time on my hands, oh, but I will, I will be doing that. Um, I don't know if, uh, if she'll be joining me, but uh, I will be doing it. So yeah, Mank. Let, let's talk about Mank. Um, it, talk about a movie uh, that throws you in the middle of it. This one really feels like you are bouncing all around. And from what I've heard about Citizen Kane that is very accurate of that movie as well. Um, is that, is that, can you confirm the, that the, is true. the jumpy messiness um, of Citizen Kane? Yeah. So um, yeah, yeah. That's definitely an emulate emulation of Citizen Kane's time, time jumping, like after um, Charles Foster Kane's death, like POV. Um, but also I guess just for some context, um, this screenplay from Mank, and the reason it's such a passion project for Fincher, is that it was written originally by his late father. Um, so he wrote the first version of the script, and um, apparently it was very much so reminiscent of um, Pauline Kael's famous essay, Raising Cain, which is pretty much about how um, Herman Mankiewicz is the true artist behind Citizen Kane and Orson Welles sort of came in and took all the credit and yeah. Fincher has sort of taken the focus away Fincher does from not that. like Orson Welles. <laughs> um, and because, well, it's also partially because the Pauline Kale essay has pretty much been debunked as not true. Um, but I guess, I guess that's 
sort of important context. Like this is a film that Fincher has sort of pretty, I think pretty heavily reconstructed. It's very dear to his heart because his father wrote it and there's sort of this cinematic history with its like, with its whole debate between Mank and Orson Welles. Yeah, well, Orson Welles isn't in the movie too much. I mean, screen time, maybe less than 10, 15 minutes um, overall, right? I don't think he's even into that much. Um, but I, you definitely can tell. I, 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 David Venture is not a fan of Orson Welles. Um, at least that's the vibe I took from it, right? What I think was I, I don't think he's not a because like he made he wrote the film to make it more favorable to him. But really, I, mean, I think he's yeah yeah he rewrote it to make it better for Orson Welles. Um, Interesting. But, I mean, because it's well, I, I guess the movie's not really about Orson Welles. You know what I mean? No, not no, really not at all, not at movie. all. Yeah, you're right. Um, I just but, mean that. I mean, he also, I mean, I think he's just a realist about what a 25 year old like brash guy who has final cut privilege and is like in full control of his movie would be like, I think that's pretty much what he said in his like comment that came out early December that people were talking about. So you don't think, you don't think Fincher views Orson Welles in a negative light at all? No. Really? Even with the last scene? No, I feel like there's a lot of people in Hollywood that are like that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know if I agree. With, I don't know. Because like even that last scene, you know, you end the movie on the unofficial acceptance of the Oscar by Mank, where he basically, you know, you can tell that there's, you know, Orson Welles. Yeah, but that's also like true. Like, like there, was, ten, like, there oh, was yeah, tension. No, exactly. But do you, but purposely ending this film on that acceptance speech where he's basically saying Orson Welles didn't do shit. I mean, you don't think there's a little bit of Fincher's opinion in that? He, like, yes, but I also don't think Banquets is presented in the most positive light either throughout the movie. I know, I agree with that. No, I 100% like, so I, agree I, I think it's that. just but like, in that sense, it's a more even-keeled I definitely feel as though I guess I, I, it's very obvious <laughs> that Fincher views, and, and, and maybe it's just, I don't know if this is even a, point of contention anymore I, I don't really know how much this is but it's it seems as though fincher is very adamant that mank is the one who who did all the work he's the one who wrote citizen kane correct uh, well he did write it but or the, the screenplay i'm sorry the screenplay yeah the, yeah the screenplay is his but the the artistry behind citizen kane and the reason for its success has been pretty much debunked as not solely the work of Mankiewicz and Fincher rewrote it. So that is not very purposely not the case. So you so, okay. So you're, you're saying that Fincher is trying to say, it's trying to give credit to both. Yeah. So I guess I was, ma I guess mainly like the original, the original version of the script apparently was very much inspired by Raising Kane and the original Which script. Is, Raising Kane is very much that, Ra Raising Kane pretty much says that Orson Welles is like a hack and did not yeah. do, is not responsible pretty much for the success of Citizen Kane. And Fincher rewrote it, so that is very much so not, not, the, not what this movie is okay. saying at all, because okay. it is just not, also like not true. Yeah, yeah, I, I, this is a, I know it's a little tangent. Caleb, you looked like you wanted to say yeah. something. I, I was mean, just I, as far as the last scene goes, uh, 
this is a movie about Mank. It's called Mank, and so Mank gets the final word. I don't think it has it's to be... It's sort of like a grace note. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think it yeah. has to be Fincher saying, like, oh, Orson Welles should be getting less credit for this. This is, this is just... It's Mank's movie, and so he's going to have that, that, final, that final say. Okay, so let's talk about this movie then. Like the the movie as an entirety, um, we talked about the fact um, that again you get thrown right into it. A uh, lot happening, a lot of jumping around, flashbacks all the time. Um, obviously, the film to me, uh, you know, has some very strong actors in it. Uh, shout out to um, uh, Charles Dance, uh, Game of Thrones didn't realize till I saw his face more clearly. I was like, Oh my God, that's the man from game of Thrones. Um, I should probably put more respect to his name. Uh, but I mean, Gary Oldman, uh, we're going to talk about this, but in my opinion, I think this is his best movie. And I think, I think you disagree with that. Zach, yeah, I think he's this like is where you have to come fine. in and watch the Harry Potter movies. Come on. Gary Oldman is better in Harry Potter than he is in Bing no. Bank. Yeah. <laughs> I, okay. That's, you have no first of all, to stand on, Zach. That's not correct. But second of all. I don't think Gary I, Oldman is that good in this movie. I really don't. Wow. I incredibly disagree. You think. Okay. Let me I ask think you he's this. Fine. I don't Do think you he's think bad. he's better in this movie or was he better in his Oscar award winning no, movie? No, I don't, I don't think Darkest Hour is very good either. But I think Amanda I, okay. Seyfried well, steals every scene in this movie where she is with I, Gary Oldman. No, okay. Well, yeah, you're right. Yes, that's true. She basically does. She is a. She is. But I. I. I would. Here's what I'm gonna say. Gary Oldman, I believe, two years ago, um, won Best Actor for The Darkest Hour. Watch the film. It's not a good film. <laughs> I just. I just don't like the film. Um, his performance, good. His performance in Mank, I believe, is superior to that performance. Therefore, I believe, in my personal opinion, this is the best performance that Gary Oldman has done. Well, but, I think you should rank his best performance but comparing to what you think <laughs> what you think his best performances no, are. Not, not compare like making sure number two has to be a performance you don't think was particularly good. Well, no, I, I think no, no, I, I'm not going to say that. His, he, I'm not going to say he didn't deserve the Oscar for the darkest hour what i'm saying is if he would he nominate, deserve the da- oscar for the darkest hour that is what i'm gonna say <laughs> who, who should have won? okay it's a different conversation but real quick tangent who should have won that then who are you who are you gonna say should have won over him was that, that the timothy chalamet year it was the timothy chalamet year it was also the daniel kaluuya timothy chalamet oh yeah performances Okay, we can get I, into that conversation. If, if I remember time. correctly, I think Darkest Hour was considered like a, a lifetime achievement award for Oldman. Yeah. Essentially. I, I will agree with that. I, I will agree with that. Honestly, with still that. cannot tell you what Oldman looks like. Like, he's that type of actor. <laughs> like, every movie I see him, he looks so different that I don't know what he's supposed to look like. I mean, after I watched the, I, After I watched The Darkest Hour, I thought he was like, I legitimately thought he was like in his 60s, maybe like his 70s. And yeah. come to find out he is like not old at all nope he was uh he was born in 58 so not that old but uh all i will say to end this point and move on is i believe yes i'm gonna say uh amanda seafried uh seafried what's that what's, what's, <laughs> <C-fried. laughs> amanda seafried 
actress in Twin Peaks: The Return. Yes. Uh, oh, is she really? I didn't know that. Yeah, um, she is great. Obviously, was phenomenal. Um, she. I thought she definitely, Lily Collins outshined Gary Oldman as well. I I disagree. I, I I think Gary Oldman's performance was was. I think Gary Oldman's performance was the best performance, but I won't disagree that Amanda. Uh, <laughs> Seyfried, uh stole the show in that regard you know how that that can happen you know you have you know like i've been in theater <laughs> productions where it's like yeah of course there's like the main guy or like the main actress who's of course you know the best performer in that but then there's that show stealer that you know the minor character not that she's a minor character in fact she's you know billed second um but i i think gary oldman's performance is the best performance in the movie and I think it's his best performance of any Gary Oldman movie I've ever seen. That's why I'll end it. Uh, you can, if you would like to comment on that uh, more. Damn, the Prisoner uh, of Azkaban is <laughs> crying out a pool I don't, of dementia tears right now. I don't even right remember now. that, dude. I've seen the Prisoner of Azkaban one time, maybe. Um, I don't even remember it. I, there's no way he could have been that good in it. Uh, that's all I'm <laughs> going to say. Um, all right, let's get back to it. Let's talk about, let's do it the old-fashioned way. Things we loved, things we didn't like about Mank. Um, let's start with things we loved. Let's start on a positive note. Um, I will start by saying, obviously, besides the performances by Gary Oldman, um, Amanda, I'm going to, you know, I can't even pronounce it at this point. Uh, Lily Collins. I mean, I'm pretty much down the line, I thought everyone did a great job. I thought it was a very well-acted film. Um, I, I thought that the directing was amazing. I, I honestly would say this is might be my favorite Fincher movie. And I, I, I just really, really was easily captured by this film pretty early on. You know, was it a little bit of a mess at the beginning? Yes. But especially when it settled down after the first act, I think this movie was full of just, it was, it was full of gold. I mean, the feeling you get witnessing, um, you know, 1930s Hollywood, the feeling you get, um, which I was mentioning um, earlier uh, to my friend, that it was very much um, the whole Upton Sinclair election very much reminded me of just how things have been the last four years um, you know, I, I was very much thought of like the 2016 election. They're very different, obviously, but that part of the movie, the focus is the, you know, the, uh, the scene at the very, I think it's like one of the first dinner parties where they're having that initial, you know, back and forth conversations between all these different people about Upton Sinclair and socialism and communism and the hit, you know, they even bring in Hitler at one point. I love those scenes. The, just, just the, the witty banter from, from, uh, from Mank and the, the, the responses, the, the quickness of it. I just thought it was very, very entertaining overall. And I loved those scenes. I felt like when there was, when it, I felt like there was just so many places where it was quick. It was just, it was, it, it kept moving. And, and I really enjoyed that about this film. Um, I don't want to take up all the airspace. Um, so I'll let Eric or Caleb say what they loved about this movie. But what I will say is it, it just, I mean, for someone who is very unexperienced in the film world and, you know, gaining, you know, footing for the first time, I think this film really appealed to me 
because of how it made me feel and what I learned about old time Hollywood and more so the politics of that time that I didn't really know existed in the 1930s. Um, and, and, that, and that part to me was the strongest part of the film when it was, you know, you know, overall wrapped together, tied in a bow of that social commentary about, you know, you know, constantly, you know, you, you pretty much learn that Mank is, if not us, you know, liberal, I mean, he's, you know, he, he very much is sympathetic towards Upton Sinclair and that whole, and the whole, I would say, left movement. And it's just very, very interesting getting that perspective from that time and then relating it today. Um, that's what I will say <laughs> to start off the what I love section. Um, yeah, I think you. Zach pretty much hit it on the head with a lot of the like historical stuff. I think my favorite part of this movie and I think what keeps it like what keeps me superficially engaged throughout the movie is the period detail. Like I think the black and white looks really nice. I like the way that all of these people, like the old Hollywood acting style. Uh, like I'm a big fan of that. And I, and I am also a big fan of the politics of it and like what Fincher I think is trying to add in to make it more than just a basic biopic because um, like all of that stuff with the like media manipulation Upton Sinclair is real. But I think the one major fabrication, not, not that like not a knock on the movie because biopics don't need to be historically accurate, but is that um, Herman Mankiewicz was actually like very against the union and not, not at all like a socialist, but I think adding that adds a lot of interesting dimensions to the movie, which um, would not have been there otherwise, I think in the original script. And I think resonate very well today, even if I personally thought that those ideas sort of got thrown to the wayside about halfway through the film. Um, so yeah, I think primarily black and white looks nice. I like the acting styles. I like Amanda Seyfried a lot. I liked, I also enjoyed a lot of those dinner conversations. Like you said, I, I just enjoyed watching all of these people interact. Like there's a, there's like a very, just like entertaining. It's just very entertaining to watch. I thought. How did you feel real quick? I know Caleb is probably dying to speak. Um, how did you feel about, um, the last party scene when Mank is drunk and he's basically giving the synopsis of uh, Citizen Kane in the sense of relating it to, you know, like the kind of, you know, oh, this is what I'm writing. You know, this is, here's an idea for a movie and it's basically all about Hearst and everything like that. Did you like that scene? Did you think it was a little, I'm curious about that scene in particular. Uh, I I thought it was fine. I thought it was juicy. It's dramatic. It's the big climactic blow up. Not, didn't like knock my socks off, but I, I thought it was fine. I feel like I had a bigger reaction when I finally placed who the actor playing Orson Welles is. It's the, it's the abusive boyfriend from The Souvenir. Like I clicked it in place and I was like, oh, it's him. It's him. <laughs> uh, All right, Caleb. Well, uh, yeah, quickly. Uh, as far as that, climactic scene goes uh i was already out on the movie by the time that came up um so can't say it 
impacted me very much. Um, Can I ask real quick, where, mm. where the movie did you check out? Like where, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not judging you. I'm just one. I'm curious what, like, where, like what the point was. Maybe there wasn't like a scene in particular. Moment. Yeah. There wasn't one moment where I'm like, okay, this is unacceptable. I'm out. It was, uh, it just wore on me uh, gradually. And I think, uh, probably with about an hour left, that was, I was okay. uh, sufficiently bored. And then it just got worse. Anyway, to go back to what you guys talking about the, with the politics stuff. Um, well, I guess before I discuss that, I have to say that I don't think they do a very good job uh, exploring Mank as a writer, which I think is a huge failure and uh, kind of it's it's unforgivable uh, when when you consider the the subject matter the the source. Uh, I think maybe part of that is because they focus so much on these politics, which unlike you guys, I, I did not find particularly interesting. I, I kept wishing that they would go back to, and and we could see more about him writing Citizen Kane. Um, and I think another problem that another problem with that, as Eric mentioned too, is that the Upton Sinclair stuff kind of just dies out uh, at some point. So you, there's so much attention and then it kind of just fizzles and, and you wonder why that time had to be spent there uh, when you're, you know, missing out on learning about him as a writer and thought that that was pretty pretty disappointing and that kind of made the whole movie uneven and uninteresting yeah i think my major (laughs) reservation is sort of it's like the same but also the exact opposite where i liked the political stuff because it was totally unexpected out of the biopic that i was walking into but i think the overarching thing about mank that i came away with that I was really dissatisfied by was it doesn't feel like it's about anything. It just sort of, it's this movie where I walk out, like it just sort of exists. Like it explored the politics, but not really. It explores Mank, but not really. It has all these ideas about like 1930s Hollywood and this portrait of like politics relating politics to the modern day, or like, I guess, yeah, just like Mank is like a character, but it, it's, it's, it's all there, but none of it's really explored or given a lot of focus, I thought. So I came away without feeling a clear portrait or like feeling like the movie was, it, I don't know, it just sort of exists. It's and to be like superficially enjoyable. That was, that was what I, that's what I thought, I guess. Okay. I, I, have, a, I have a little bit of a response to that. You know, I think, um, I think I knew once I finished the film, I had, a, I had a feeling and this isn't because I, you know, I'm not, it's not because I feel in any way, like I know a good movie or whatever. It's that I know what movies appeal to me. And it happens to be that if you look at my letterbox and specifically 2020 biopics that have no notable plot happen to be one of my favorite things in the world. 
So wait, what 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 other biopics with no notice of plot are there? Wait, well, I'm what, to... I, what I'm what I'm going to talk about. I'm talking about trial gonna... of the Chicago Seven. Uh, a little bit less, but trial I'm thinking Chicago way Seven more. has a very clear plot. Yeah, no, 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 no that has a clear plot. <laughs> yeah. That has a clear plot. Okay, I was thinking more of Nomadland, um, a little bit in that sense. But let, let let me say this real quick. Let me say what I what I wanted to say. Okay. One, I, I have three. I have three things. I wrote down three things. I wrote. One, Caleb, two of Caleb's and one of, one of Eric's. First, that Caleb said there was not enough about the writer. And second, the political, the distaste for kind of adding too much the political um, aspect to the film. With the writing part, I agree with you. Um, I do wish there was more. Um, I really thought my, the, the most impressionable moments to me, there was a few at the beginning where, they, where you were kind of getting, especially when he was like, talking to oh i forgot what her name was the character that was the typewriter um gosh i i won't remember but um, rita yeah rita. i think there it's was, rita there right these there were these mm-hmm. moments where you really get a glimpse into his head and there was even a moment where he's talking to um god you guys know how bad i am with this stuff i gotta get better where he's talking to um houseman uh john houseman the producer and he's talking about the way things come out of his mind and stuff like that. And I, and those were some interesting moments. Cause I, I, I agree. I really wanted to hear and see what made this man tick. Cause I was so interested in Mank as the writer more than just Mank as the observer of this political revolution. That wasn't really a revolution as he created, you know, as he created citizen Kane or, or, you know, wrote the screenplay. Um, so I will agree with that. I did think there was enough for me, but there could have been more. When it comes to the political aspect, I don't think it fizzled out. Um, I'm going to disagree with the fizzling out part only because I felt like, sure, you know, it was this huge deal. Um, Obviously, the election eve, which led into the whole, you know, suicide because of, um, uh, you know, producing that, that, uh, what do you call it? The, the, wasn't like a film, but the, the ad or so like propaganda or whatever. Yeah, the, the, smear, propaganda. the smear campaign yeah yeah um after that it seems like it, it fizzles out but I, I i really thought it was brought up then more into like this idea this election is actually part of what fuels him to write um a little bit of what he does in citizen kane and particularly the dinner scene where he's drunk and he's talking about um what he's talking about how uh, Hearst has this, you know, this hatred for um, uh, Sinclair because he sees a younger self in him and all these things like that. I thought, I thought that part was, was still important to the overall motivation and the overall arching idea of what was going on in Meng's head as he was writing the screenplay. Um, so I, 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 didn't, I, I still felt it was important but I can also understand maybe the, the focus of the movie was too much on it. So I can see both sides, but I also have to at some point say that it, it still worked for me. I thought there was enough, could have been a little bit more about him as a writer. I would have been intrigued to know about that. Um, it's not every day, you know, especially the moments where he really was talking about his process or uh, just I don't know. There were some moments that I really were like, Oh my God, this guy is like, I want to like pick his brain. I want to, I want to hear so much more out of him. Um, 
but I still thought the political part had an important aspect. The last thing I will say, so then I can let you guys respond, is Eric's point of that there isn't, and maybe I'm misquoting you, there isn't really anything to this movie. There's no, you know. I guess there's not anything to this movie, but it, it go it like dangles so many ideas whether it's political it's not even that it's plotless it's that it dangles so many ideas that it's like political it's about this character but it at the end it doesn't coalesce into anything substantial to me it doesn't it it just has no it left no impression so what i will say is just this and that is and, and and maybe i'm i'm making a stretch out of this and and perhaps i am there was a quote early in the movie where they were talking about fitting uh, writing Citizen Kane, or he was talking about it. And he mentions that he's like, you can't put an entire man's life into two hours, but you can leave an impression of it. And to me, that was Mank. That was the film. This idea that of course, I'm not saying anyone expected to get a life biography of full, you know, fleshed out childhood to adulthood of Mank or, or anything, but this impression of who he was at this time, the things that were influencing him, the things that he, were, he was invested in at this very crucial part of, of history that many may not know about, I thought it did just that. I thought it left a thumbprint. I thought it left an impression of who Mank is as a man, maybe more so than what he was as a writer, but more he, who he was as a man. And I was satisfied with that. Yeah, I guess, I guess I just didn't feel like I got, I feel like when I, I feel like when I think back to Mank, I don't think of it at all as being about Mank because he's not a character that really stood out for me in just the way the film was structured. I think of it more as just like a portrait of Hollywood that both like, glamorizes it and also is like a critique of it like it's the political stuff that sticks with me and Mank is sort of just in a way this afterthought partially because I thought Mank was sort of portrayed whether it's Oldman's performance which I think is the most I don't know like theatrical like comedic out there of the bunch I sort of just got the sense that he was this drunk like sort of socialist sort of outcast member of Hollywood who people didn't really give credit to because they thought he was sort of a joke. And I, but it all, it just didn't coalesce into anything that gave, I don't know. It didn't, it just didn't, I, I, it just, I just didn't find a lot out of it. And I think part of that is because it's hampered a little by its reverence to Citizen Kane, which this movie really is not about at all. I think specifically, I really just didn't like all of the flashbacks um that's like very clearly it's very clearly structured to be like citizen kane and it's like portrait of mank through this flashback structure but it it just didn't work i felt like the movie didn't have a sense of time or place at all as i was watching it and then because it then wasn't anchored in any specific idea about mank or about the time and or about like the period for me it just ended up just like floating off Yeah, to go back to something you said, Zach, I don't really feel like they brought out Mank as a person. I just really, you know, put put Mank as a person in the spotlight. I don't really know what I take away about him. Like, all right, maybe he's willing to stand up to some powerful people when it comes to his political beliefs. 
Uh, he is an alcoholic. What else? I I, I don't really know. Um, I mean, I thought I thought the relationship with his wife provided some context. I thought the relationship with um, I'm forgetting her name again, um, not Rita, but the woman that Marion Davies. Yeah, that he saved um, and the village he saved. I, yeah, yes. Are those minuscule points that the movie brush over? I will agree with yes. They're not. You don't really think of that as being, oh, wow, okay, so there's 10 seconds of that, but then we get 30 minutes of, you know, politics. But I think there's enough done to, to show who he is as a man. You, I mean, like, you don't feel like you get enough. I guess like, my counterpoint, but, yeah, sorry. Like the, the scenes with his wife when Davies are, are there, but I think they're just there. I think I agree with Eric that it just doesn't, it's, it doesn't feel like it's really about him as the person and things just feel like they are present and, and they may present superficial entertainment value. But uh, for me, it didn't even reach that level. And I, I don't feel like I, I learned about Mink very much as a man and, Again, frustratingly, also not as a writer. I guess my counterpoint would be like, we talked a bit about all these minuscule details that leave an impression. I, I, I said at the beginning that I thought Amanda Seyfried stole the show. I guess the main reason for that is because like when she's on screen, I, I just felt like she had this charisma. Like you can feel everyone gravitating towards her. Definitely does. And I, I guess in a way that I never felt with Gary Oldman. And well, I, I think, think that I don't think he's supposed to be. I don't think. I guess if you. I guess with how like, with the way this movie is structured, like Oldman needs to have needed to have more of a. I, I guess an interesting presence that I didn't find, and I okay. thought I guess I, I guess mean, my favorite part of the movie is, aside from the political stuff, I actually liked Gary Oldman and then Miranda Seyfried's relationship. That was my other favorite part. That, I mean, that was a good part. Talk. I would agree. Like the, that. the scene would... where they were walking and talking was probably one of the strongest in the film to me. Um, I, see, I don't know. I just, I, I, I don't know. I think it would be disingenuine for for Gary Oldman's performance to be more charismatic. Um, you, you, you said you, you meant. I know you meant you, like more interesting, but I, I don't know. I, I, I found myself intrigued by him, especially by not only just, I mean, like there was something weird about him, just like, you know, he was, he was a writer and, and he even, he even mentioned how he like himself as someone not necessarily fitting in, in some aspects. And I, and I think, I, I don't know if it, you know, I don't, I don't know enough about the history of, you know, of Mank, you know, I don't know enough about him, but I, I, I felt as though, you know, the, character gary oldman played seemed pretty genuine to who he was at least by why by what the film showed me so i mean i guess what i can say is a question that i have is i think something you both see um as a low point of the film or a point where the movie suffered is that it tried to balance uh, this this and maybe the, the issue is it didn't balance it well a a a mank uh biopic and then a 1930s hollywood biopic um did you feel as though the issue was that there was no balance there did you feel as though the movie should have just committed to one or the other 
more specifically, I guess, to, to Caleb's point, would you have liked the film to be more focused on Mank and thrown the rest, not, not thrown it all out, but more focused on him rather than the, the balancing act that was the 1930s Hollywood political drama and, you know. I think there, there's some merit to what Eric was saying earlier about uh, how it's, it's surprising, uh, you know, the political intrigue that is present here. And I don't disagree with that. Um, to be more specific about my problem, problem with that, uh, it's that I was never convinced that Mank wrote Citizen Kane because of the whole Upton Sinclair fiasco. So then it's almost like two different movies uh, put into one. It's not even two sides of the same movie. It really is like two different movies and they don't have that mesh point. If, if it was, if I believed more that the political events demonstrated in the movie directly led uh, or were the, were the primary reason, the primary cause uh, for Manx's writing of Citizen Kane, then I would be uh, more satisfied with, with the, with the inclusion of, of that political uh, content, but because I feel like they the two halves just don't gel at all. It's it's frustrating that I think the more interesting half, the the half that you, you want to that you you go to see a movie called Mank to witness the, the stuff about you know him writing Citizen Kane that that is kind of mistreated. Uh, I have a theory about this. I think what happened is the original script was the part that centered around Mank. And then all of this political stuff, which deals with media manipulation, like this like cynical worldview of Hollywood is what Fincher found himself actually interested in, in the script. And what happened was, I think, this is my theory is that he wanted to be able to focus on what he was interested in but then felt this duty to his late father to also at least in some part make the movie that his father wanted to make and that's why we end up with this feeling of two movies i I, you know i can honestly buy that theory it doesn't seem like a far-fetched conspiracy theory to me i guess it makes sense to me. I think both of you struggle, especially Caleb, with that, that, that very, 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 very loose thread that connects the two sides of the film. Um, for me, I might see a little bit more threads than you do, but I don't think that necessarily makes it that much stronger. Um, you know, at the end of the day, one, you know, four tiny threads is not much more than one. So what I mean by that is I agree with you. I guess I I still wasn't taken away with it, but I wasn't wasn't phased by it too much. Um, but I can definitely see the critique there. Um, and 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 honestly, Eric's theory, you know, whatever conspiracy theory you might want to call it, um, it, it does it could could honestly be exactly that. Um, or honestly, you know, maybe when it came down to it, maybe there wasn't. I think it's more plausible that he he wanted to focus more on the political, you know, issues going on. But maybe at the end of the day, a story just about Mank, they didn't feel as though it was going to be successful. Uh, yeah, but that might be more of a stretch. Um, 
But you know what's funny is I'm getting deja vu, and I don't know to what, but we've had this exact conversation before about a biopic, and it's a common thread in biopics, specifically ones that like teeter on the edge of being something, in my opinion, that are more than a biopic. Um, and I feel like we've had this conversation before where there were like two halves of a movie. Maybe it wasn't even a biopic, but there were like two halves. And then we were like, you know, we were all disagreeing on how much there was connective tissue between that. Um, I'll have to go back and look. I don't remember what it was off the top of my head, but I, I did. I felt a sense of deja vu there. Um, all right. Well, I guess we did get into positives and negatives. I think it's, I think we should wrap up, give our final opinions. Uh, before we do that, is there any last words? I don't want to, I don't want to take the, take the air um you guys f- feel satisfied with that okay well then let's do it watch um, citizen kane that's my final word. i i will be watching citizens kane and then i will you know next time we do the podcast if i've watched it i'll give a 20 second little uh little uh review on it and, and what i thought about it but uh all right well let's do it let's start with caleb um I think I've made my concerns pretty clear. Uh, so outside of, of what I've discussed, I thought Gary was just fine. And I thought Amanda wasn't that great either. I didn't think uh, the acting in this movie was particularly strong. But I thought she was she was cartoonish and just kind of over... I, I understand, you know, that's that's part of the 1930s uh glamour but i thought she she kind of overdid it this was no uh sunset boulevard type uh type of of hollywood he was not melodrama. that close up <laughs> um and that leaves mank at a very soft two and a half stars all right eric um yeah i feel like i've I feel like I've sounded harsh on Mank, but I did really enjoy watching it. Like, I had a fun time. It's just, I thought it was well-made. I was thoroughly entertained from beginning to end. I just have, it's just the type of movie that I started to forget immediately and hasn't left much, if any, impression on me afterwards. But um, I was a bit, I might've been a bit generous, but I did give Mank three and a half stars. Before I go to my view, I would like to read a text that I received today from Eric Zhu that says, LOL, Mank is Mank's growing on grown me. on me. What the hell happened to that, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> he goes, you know, he, you says, think he just says, you know, it has, it's not really leaving an impression with me. <laughs> it's, it's in the sense that, I guess I said that in the sense that Mank just has a really enjoyable atmosphere, and that's ultimately what I've 100%. left left what I've been left with. I enjoy the atmosphere of Mank, um, and maybe that's just a representation of how much everything else has faded away into the background. <laughs> All right. Well, I will end by saying, obviously, I enjoyed this film immensely. I thought Gary Oldman did a great job. Um, I really was fascinated and I wish I did learn more about, um, Mank as a writer, um, and as a man, you know, I think had there been more of that and maybe a little bit more connection, connective tissue, this would have been a five-star film for me. Um, I was really sucked into the atmosphere. Um, 
instantly, I mean, I was watching this with my girlfriend and I turned over about 10 minutes in and I said, I'm going to like this movie. <laughs> like I immediately knew it. Um, and, you know, maybe I had that reputation of liking these films that are maybe biopic slash not completely plot. Not, not that there's no plot here, but I don't know. It just, it felt like a movie I would enjoy. And I turned out to be correct about that. Um, overall, you know, we've mentioned the atmosphere, the black and white. Um, the acting was good enough for me, except for Gary Oldman, who was phenomenal in my opinion. Um, and I was also just intrigued. I was, I, I learned things I never thought I'd learn. I, I really felt like I got a glimpse into the, the 1930s, into the political uh, environments. I felt like it felt very relatable to what we're dealing with today. And it just, it, it's something I'm going to remember. And where's it going to end up in my end of 2020? I have a feeling it'll end up pretty high, um, especially after some decreases of my previous uh, potential movies that we're going to end up um, where we'll end up while well, that'll be uh, news for uh, a few weeks from now when we release our final episode. But overall, Mank, four and a half stars. Wow. We got a consensus on the first one and then a building block on the, uh, on the last one. But uh, yeah, David Fincher, he's got some, he's got some good films. He's got <laughs> the duality of man, the duality of the film. Um, there was, uh, yeah, you know, I don't know when the next time we'll be discussing Fincher is, um, you know, obviously it's been six years since he released the film before this, right? So who knows when we'll get yeah. the next one. But I mean, the other films we've talked about, Social Network, Gone Girl, Fight Club, solid films, a solid director. Might Seven. be, might be one of my, might be one of my top directors, you know, in all honesty. Um, but guys, this was fun. Uh, this will be our new norm over Zoom, most likely. Um, you know, until one day we get back to that coveted campus and KSPC, and we're in there with all of our studio equipment. But either way, I'm always happy to see you guys. And with that, we bid you adieu. Thanks for watching.